Hi, friend. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's Truth Tool. My Truth Tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month, I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge. And all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-JANET-58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now please enjoy the program. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. That song gives you a big hint. We're talking about spiritual warfare this hour. And I'm opening the phones for questions, questions only. Any question you have on spiritual warfare, is it real? You betcha. But there are all kinds of people who are trying to minimize the reality of Satan. And they're minimizing the um, eternality of hell, if I can put it that way. But then again... People are falling away from sound doctrine nowadays, so none of this should come as a surprise. And it also means that on this most interesting topic, Hollywood certainly has an interest in it, people are learning less and less about the reality of a war that's growing more intense all the time. So I love the fact that we have our friend Dr. Carl Payne come by, and he has written what I think is one of the best books on spiritual warfare. It's called Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. It has been republished. It is updated. He's added even more and he is a superb teacher, and he will take any question you've got. You're going to need this, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. And as I want to do when Carol comes, I love to start with a little story to just to get his take on this. So let me just do this as a setup, and then we're going to get Carol to respond as you're calling in your calls. Now, the lines do light up. So any question you've got on spiritual warfare, 877-548-3675. So the Satanic Temple is an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp, okay? They call themselves the Satanic Temple, but they don't believe in Satan. They're, I call them instead hellish humanists is what they really are. It is about the exaltation of self, which means they're really playing into the exact game plan of the one 
who is about the exaltation of self, that you shall be like gods. And did God really say? I mean, that's practically their mantra. Uh, And so they deny his existence and follow his game plan. That is what we call an oxymoron. So they've got this new thing now called Educating with Satan. You can't make that up. This comes right off their website. The After School Satan Club doesn't believe in introducing religion in public schools and will only open a club if other religious groups are operating on campus. So are they really evangelizing for Satan? That's another oxymoron. Or are they really trying to eradicate the fact that those fighting fundamentalists show up down at the local school, which, by the way, is something the Supreme Court has affirmed and reprotected protected again and again and again. Equal access release time programs out there. Yeah, the, the separation of church and state, it's dodged those bullets for years, and it's been a wonderful program. All it takes is a volunteer to stand up and say, I'm going to be involved in that program. Well, got caught in the crosshairs of the satanic temple. And so they started the After School Satan Club, but only if there's already a religious club on the campus. So the After School Satan Club exists to provide safe and inclusive alternatives to the religious clubs that use threats of eternal damnation to convert school children to their belief system. No, you cannot make this stuff up. And yes, that is exactly what they said. Unlike our counterparts who publicly measure their success in their young children's professions of faith in quotation marks, I point out to you, the After School Satan Club program focuses on science, critical thinking, creative arts, and good works for the community. That's because Christians, they believe, are poor, uneducated, and easy to command. We abhor the existence of science. We can't critically think. We uh, disavow the creative arts. And apparently, we don't do any good works for the community. I'm not, I could spend 10 hours talking about the good works that's come out of Christianity for the community, but I digress. While engaged in all of these activities, we want club goers to have a good time. So their goal is not proselytization, but instead they're not interested in converting children to Satanism. They want to focus on free inquiry and rationalism, the scientific basis for which we know what we know about the world around us. What they should know is that science affirms what is already said in the Bible. But I digress. We prefer to give children an appreciation of the natural wonders surrounding them, not a fear of everlasting otherworldly horrors. So they need a recruiting team. And so they've come up with a recruiting song, a little ditty, by the way, to let you know that there's no problems here whatsoever. Now, I aired this once before, but I've never aired it in the presence of my friend, Dr. Carl Payne. And I want to hear the recruiting song of the Satanic Temple for the after-school Satan clubs. Have a listen. Satan's not an evil guy. He wants you to learn and question why. He wants you to have fun and be yourself. And by the way, there is no hell. Science is important so we understand the world. Satan looks for truth, let's help him, boys and girls. Satan's not an evil guy, he wants you to learn and question why. He wants you to have fun and be yourself, and by the way, there is no hell. And we'll stop right there because it goes on and on and on ad nauseum. At this point, I want to welcome my friend Dr. Carl Payne, and I'm going to ask him to weigh in. But first, I have a joke. Carl? I have a newsflash for you. Do you know that Satan has been arrested? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Do you know what he was charged with? I'm going to find out. <laughs> Possession. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. That's actually pretty good. Thank you, sir. I, I, 
I could probably use that sometime at a conference. And then they'll say, you stole that from Janet. I'll go, you're right. She's my I friend. stole it from my precious brother, John. He gave it to me. So I wanted to, I could uh, not wait to share it with you. All right, back to the little ditty. What do you think of the recruiting song, brother? Well, well, first, I wouldn't be bright and proper and fitting if I didn't say good afternoon, young lady. Always have to have to give you a greeting. Thank you. Um, uh, what it sounds to me again is like the uh, 1933 Humanist Manifesto mm-hmm. uh, all, all over again, just readdressed. Uh, you know, different subject there. There we're talking about the inclusion of socialism or Marxism and Dewey and company saying we'll take the long haul. We'll we'll take the kids. We get them six seven hours a day. Church gets them an hour a day. We win, and uh, you know we don't have to. Uh, uh, say Jesus is a total fraud, we'll just tell them that this is what's true, and if you want to be a faith-based person and look like kind of an imbecile and a moron, here's what you believe, and if you'd like to be a smart person, here's what you uh, believe. It's almost like it sounds a little bit of the same thing, you know, it's just like <laughs> Satan Satan isn't evil, and uh, we're, we're into science and all, so we want you to find out what's really true, not not like those religious people, Right. and right. hoping... hoping um, you got music going, I'm sorry. That No, 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 that's quite all right. You know, the song, Making the Declaration There Is No Hell. But they're not recruiting, and they're not being hostile toward the religious club that's already established on campus. Dr. Carl Payne is with a bunch of people already with questions. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Charged with possession. Back after this. God's work tends to follow a specific circular pattern in every season of life. When we understand His pattern, we gain perspective on His hand in our life. That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Find clarity for your unique mission and message. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. That's what we're talking about, spiritual warfare with Dr. Carl Payne, pastor, teacher, speaker, author, former NFL chaplain, and he's on staff at Antioch Bible Church in Redmond, Washington, where his primary role there is serving as the pastor of leadership development and discipleship training. Again, I think his book is just superb, and I know many of you have gotten a copy, and you know whereof I speak. It is a great book, Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. We're going to take your questions this hour with Dr. Carl Payne, and let me start with Tammy, who joins us from Illinois. Tammy, welcome, and your question, please. Thank you so much. My question is, um, if you're struggling with spiritual warfare, how long will God allow that to last? if you really need help, and what should you do? Um, Janet, help me out. I could I could hear what should I do, but I couldn't get before what the question was. She said, how long will God allow a struggling believer to undergo spiritual warfare, and then what should she do? Uh, well, your, your first question, I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, 
if if I open up doors, I don't think that I blame God for the fact that doors are open. Uh, but I think the second one may be a little bit more definitive. When I understand and learn how spiritual warfare works, what it is that opens me up to those attacks and how I should respond, I think that I can uh, I can get after that. Once I, I use those two words, recognize and respond. And I've said we need both. It's not either or. Once I learn how to recognize it, then I can learn how to respond to it. And there's several layers to it. We've talked about that. There can be at least. So really it's just kind of first do I recognize it, and then if it's true, just kind of working through alternatives to find out uh, where is this. So the how do I respond to it, I think that's an easy answer. You find some material that will help you work with it that's clear and transferable. Uh, how long it can last, I don't have an answer to that. I don't I don't know. Mm. I imagine that if that was an important question that God would give us an answer to, pretty sure Job would have asked it. And as he's being assaulted and demonized, he didn't ask that question. Yeah. I mean, when I, Janet, when I've, I've worked with people where their involvement came, uh, you know, your, your intro about, you know, the Church of Satan that doesn't, uh, you know, Satan's a good guy, and 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 etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I've worked with people, uh, not a lot of them. Most of the people I work with are Christians, but I've worked with former Satanists that would say, from the time I was three or four or five, uh, I've worked with Christians that say, from the time I was very young, and they're now adults, so clearly it can go on a long time. Uh, I've had others as soon as they realize something is really amiss. I'm not sure what it is, and it doesn't go on that long. So. I, that's why I said I don't have a definitive answer. How long does it go on? I guess I would say the sooner I recognize what is going on, then the sooner I can figure out how should I respond. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've contended over and over in that book, at least tried to, that when I'm guessing, because I don't think it's important enough to worry about, and so the Bible says we can be attacked through the world or through the flesh or through the through the supernatural, heck, you just claim Jesus and 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 read a Bible verse and memorize a verse or two, and it's fine. Uh, that is very naive. Uh, I've, I've, again, I don't mean that to be mean, but I'm just saying when the Bible gives me different ways of responding to different enemies, the uh, the one who put it all together assumes I will care enough about uh, understanding the battle plan that I will do a little bit of homework, and I don't know anybody that wins every battle. But I sure know a lot of people that win more than they lose. Mm. So if I'm a Christian saying I just continually lose, I would say, why don't you spend a little bit of time in figuring out how does the battle work and how should I respond? Uh, and that and that may start with trying to figure out where are the hits coming from. Mm. I can win over any of them because Christ won over them. But it's one thing to say uh, I'm positionally a winner in Christ. It's another thing to say I am winning more battles than I lose on a daily basis because sometimes I not only fall in holes, Janet, sometimes I dig the holes and mm. jump in mm. them, which yeah. is just even even more silly. Yeah. I mean, I just shouldn't do that. Mm. Janet, so, one of the things I thought about, maybe before the next question, please, just as a, as a, as a thought, uh, I was reading uh, Alva J. Schmidt's book, Under the Influence, How Christianity Transformed Civilization. Mm. And, sister, I'd never even heard of it. And I don't remember what I was doing, some study and something, and I saw this thing just getting quoted time after time after time. And I thought, who is he? And what, what did he write and where? It's a, it's a, um, a Harper Collins Zondervan 
collaboration. But Alva J. Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T, does a fabulous job in talking about whether it's education, medicine, you know, science, just goes through these, just chapter after chapter about if you're tired of hearing how, you know, Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no good for anything or whatever, how about we get a real read on history and find out where the Christian faith has has been involved in things that people should, whether they're Christian or not Christian, with, without argumentation saying, yeah, we're the better off for that. And it may or may not drive them to Christ, but at least maybe it'll give them some thought when they're getting cliches from people, and and uh, and, and you know like that heavenly minded, you know, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. I go, that's just baloney. But anyway, I really enjoyed his book, Under the Influence. So I, I, when you when you mentioned what you did in your opening, I thought I wanted to uh, to say something about that. Well, and I'm glad that you did, because I think there's promulgated this mythology that says that somehow science is at odds with faith. It hasn't been. The great scientists of old, by the way, were people who very much believe in the existence of God. And uh, I think it's a false mythology that it just fosters this idea that you can either have reason or you can have faith that the two are mutually exclusive. And anybody who's deep into the word understands that's exactly the opposite of the Christian experience. When you come to faith in Christ, your heart is transformed, your mind is renewed, you think clear, you see better, the world starts making much more sense for why things are happening around you. So don't buy into that false dichotomy. And the book that Carl just recommended is another one of those that tells you that there is no conflict there. That's, again, a false dichotomy created as a straw man argument. 877-548-3675. More of your calls when we return. Soldier enters life's battlefield Without a sword, without a shield I take my sword and shield each day When I kneel down and humbly pray We are talking about spiritual warfare with Dr. Carl Payne and taking any question you have on spiritual warfare at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Scott, I welcome you from Michigan. Thanks so much for being here. And your question, please. Thank you so much. Um, really kind of a situation I'm in, and it's hard to kind of believe, but I feel like I'm in a spiritual warfare with my, my wife, um, her son who professes to worship Satan. Um, he's in the gay lifestyle. My wife has become her kind of pro-gay lifestyle now. But I feel like I'm in a spiritual warfare with her because we've gone to church over 20 years together. And in the past year, she stopped going. It's kind of like she kicked me and God to the curb. And I feel like he might be asking me to, to get out. But I was just wondering what your thoughts on that. Um. First, uh, your you know heart hurts because it surely sounds like uh, whether it's spiritual warfare or just more of what is possible through the lust of the flesh, as Galatians chapter five lays it out, or Romans chapter one lays out, and neither one of those are attributed strictly to Satan. My my flesh, I'm very capable of getting involved. You look at the the sorcery, which was witchcraft or drugs, pharmacio, the 
the sensuality, the immorality, the drunkenness, the carousing, a lot of things that most people would say, hey, if I'm a Christian, I can't get involved in that. And I would say Galatians 5, the whole context is saying we shouldn't, verse 16, be controlled by uh, our, our battle with the flesh. But 17, there's a war going on inside. And uh, 19 through 21, if this is what your life is looking like, you're being controlled by the flesh. And if this is what you're looking like in 22 and 23, you're being controlled by the Spirit. All of that is attributed to the flesh and to Christians. So I, I wouldn't assume, Scott, right away that it has to be demonic. It may be. But I think where I would probably go is is whether it was that or... Uh, you know, uh, dozens of other things. I would try and go back to the Bible and just say, uh, is it equiv is 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 it unequivocal? Uh, I mean, is it clear what we're supposed to be, uh, where we're supposed to be standing, or is there ambiguity? Uh, I have still said, and I believe this, and it's going to sound sexist, but I think it's true. Uh, I still believe that most moms will hang in with their kids a lot longer than most dads will. At least as a youth pastor, I used to say, if I ran into troubles, I'd like to talk with the dad. And people would say, why? And I'd say, because I already know the mom's going to tell me that if the child did something wrong, it was because somebody forced them to do that because their baby wouldn't do that. You say, where'd that come from? And I say, well, my mom always looked at me with rose-colored glasses. I mean, if I needed sympathy, I'd go to my mom. Uh, but Dad would would usually be the one saying, okay, what's going on, and what do we, what do you think we need to do? So I guess I would. It doesn't excuse it if it's a Christian mother or father and going against Scripture. That's where the real fight needs to be, or that's not fight, but that's where the real challenge needs to be. Let's see what Scripture says and then stand on Scripture rather than blow in the wind with a culture that uh, is headed downhill and, and getting worse by the moment if our eyes are open. Mm -hmm. But if somebody said, do you blame a mother for being a mother? I go, actually, I kind of expect that. And are there downsides of that? Well, if it's sticking up for something wrong, uh, I'm that's unfortunate. If it's sticking up for someone that needs another chance and someone else wants to you know, kick them to the curb, then you're going, man, thank God for mom. So I think, you know, part of that, uh, you know, First Peter, you know, you know, chapter 3, just learning to live in an understanding way with your spouse uh, loves her child and, you know, I'm sure wants in every way to be loved by their child. But really, it's got to be this isn't about you and me. This is about the Savior who's bigger than both of us. And what are we needing to be doing to be sure that our child learns that Jesus is not negotiable and the Bible is not negotiable? And if that means, well, we can blend in and, and make it say something it doesn't, then you're saying, my Bible is negotiable. Uh, that may keep me a friend for the moment, but it is certainly a lifelong lesson I don't want, because where does it go from there? Uh, but d demonizing another Christian, whether it's husband, wife, or kids, that's not usually very helpful. And, and again, if the presumption is it must be demonic because it involves homosexuality, I go, no more than if it's drunkenness or immorality or porn or all the rest of it it's sure demons can be involved in it but my flesh the bible says in galatians 5 um, mark chapter 7 21 to 23 uh, colossians 3 5 through 8 those are all lists of things that you know the flesh can certainly influence not not limited just to demonic attack i think you're underscoring the reality that you know, this is why we have this conversation so often, because it's like Goldilocks' porridge, isn't it, Carl? This subject is either too hot for some, too cold for others, and then some get it just right. So 
if you think the devil makes it all happen, I think that's not biblically accurate. It, we're reminded that our battle is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. So that's the triune assault that we're dealing with on a regular basis. So your answer was superb and right on. And Scott, I hope that you take great encouragement from what you heard Dr. Carl Payne just saying. 877-548-3675. That's our number, 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. This is your chance to ask any question you've got about spiritual warfare. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Again, sometimes we let Hollywood be the great theologian on this, and they miss the mark. And again, some churches just don't want to talk about this. Some think that everything that happens is because the devil made me do it. Well, is that the truth? Let's just find out what the word says. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. How do you keep your finger on the pulse of America while listening to the heartbeat of God's Word? On In the Market, we look for God's perspective on current events. Become a partial partner today and keep this Christ-centered program on the air. As a benefit, you'll receive exclusive resources every week prepared just for you. You'll get behind-the-scenes intel from my email to yours. Call 877-JANET58 or go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. with Dr. Carl Payne on the topic of spiritual warfare, your chance to ask any question on this subject, 877 Dr. Carl Payne is a pastor, a teacher, a speaker, an author, was a former chaplain in the NFL for over 20 years. He's written what I think is one of the best books out there called Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. There's a link on my website so you can click on through to learn how you can get your copy. 877-548-3675. And Stacy in Illinois, welcome. Your question, please. Hi. I, my question is, assuming that when we gather together in our churches, what um, we can assume that there will be demonic presence coming into it. How do we identify that, or if there's a person or people that are you feel are are maybe possessed? What do you say? You know, have a battle plan. Is there? What do you recommend for our churches and just identifying them? Also, I mean, we we feel we want them to come and hear the word of God, but uh, do you have any insight on that? Well, I don't know if you'll consider it insight or not, but here's the responses that I think of. First, I don't assume that uh, any time people are gathered together uh, for a Christian service that demons have to be actively involved in that. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, Can they be? Yes, they can be. Um, But are they? Not necessarily. In other words, we kind of talked about it earlier, and Janet, I think, was very succinct with it. World, flesh, and devil, uh, all three of them are, I call them an infernal triad. And and are we going to have people involved in uh, all sin and come short of the glory of God in any service we're in? Absolutely true. 
can I say that I know every person in there is is uh, guilty at the moment with uh, sin of the the world, the flesh, or the devil? I would say that I know that's certainly potentially true, but I'm not going to say it has to be true. Uh, that there may be people that are walking very close with God. Uh, so, first, I guess the, just the assumption. I'm I'm not sure that I would agree with the assumption, but I think the second part of it kind of goes back a little bit to what I said earlier, Stacy. And it's trying to get a handle on learning how to recognize and respond to what is going on. And and uh, the Bible is just so very clear that, uh, like when I said uh, in, in the book, I object to tube sock theology. You know, everything is demonic, <laughs> not necessarily. Everything is the flesh, not necessarily. Everything is the world, not necessarily. And and when I go to speak, you know, I I, I thoroughly enjoy speaking at conferences still. And, and and when I'll have people say, well, give me the real good stuff, and I'll say, what's that mean? Well, you know, the demon stuff. But then I'll hit another church and I'll say, you know, we don't we really don't want to talk mm-hmm. about the demon mm-hmm. stuff, but let's really hit the flesh stuff. And I'll say, at the point that you kind of play one against the other, you're guaranteeing you're going to lose. Because you have no guarantee that the hits are always from the world or always from the flesh or always from the demonic. So I suppose everyone Swindoll, and I know I've mentioned this, but I've laughed at it so many times. His little book on demonism said that a fighter who doesn't study how you know his enemy fights is going to be nicknamed Canvasback Jack because he's going to get beat up on every time. And he says he's going to be looking up and the stars knocked out. And and he said it's only Christians that think somehow that you know it's a disadvantage to learn how your enemy works. Mm-hmm. And, and I I would suggest that mm-hmm. I want to know how the hits come so I know how to respond. Yes. And when I realize that the Bible indicates it's not the same hits, it's not the same response. I would say unless you want to just guess, uh, all the more. Thirdly, I guess I would say I pray every Sunday. I mean I'm I'm if I'm not out speaking, I'm in our services. And I very typically will pray, Father in heaven, if there are enemies that are wanting to interfere and confuse, would you, from the time people are on their way here to the time they're here to the time they go home or whatever's listened to electronically, would you confuse the confusers so people are able to have a mind that can hear and understand what you want heard and understood? And if there are ones that are trying to confuse whether they're human or supernatural, would you just shut them down? And I thank you through Jesus Christ. I pray that every, virtually every Sunday. Um, so if someone says, don't you expect demons to be all kinds of crazy stuff going on in your church? No, not when you have delegated authority from Christ to say, you know, even if you're there, that doesn't mean you have a free hand to do anything you want. But uh, I'll just end where I started. Everything is not demonic. Yeah. Everything is not demonic. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stacy. Appreciate your being with us. Kim in Washington State, thanks for being with us and your patience and your question, please. Kim, you're going to have Hi, to turn your you radio down. I can. If you'll turn your radio down, that would be great. It's, my radio's off. Okay, good. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Um, as citizens of heaven, how are we to um, go against spiritual warfare? Like, you know, our rights as citizens, like praying the word back, you know, during spiritual attacks. Well, I would say, without sounding like I'm trying to make a cheesy plug, because I don't usually do it, I've done the best job I know how to do in addressing a question like that in that book I wrote. 
And I would say that uh, Marcus Warner has done a good job with that. Fred Dickinson has done a good job with that. Mark Bubick has done a good job with that. Uh, Tim Warner has done a good job with that. Neil Anderson has taken his shots at that. So in other words, I, I think there's material out there that a person, if they want to inform themselves, can certainly say, uh, you know, I, I read and I listen to things on a lot of different subjects. Why not on warfare to find out what some of the folks who have, you know, really kind of cited in on this are saying? And again, you can still, I would encourage, you know, your Acts 1711, be a good Berean. And what you read, say, does this stand up with Scripture? And, and if what I am reading stands up with Scripture, but it goes against, you know, a uh, 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 a sacred paradigm that I've had so much for the sacred paradigm because scripture, everything is supposed to ultimately kneel to God almighty and the scripture that he, you know, he inspired. So I, I want to get my answers from the book, hmm. not just so stories. And I want it to be from the book in context, not someone that's trying to make it say whatever they want it to say. They, you know, we'll call it eisegesis. You know, making something say what you want it to say, and then exegesis is what what is the text saying, but then be willing to say, Lord, I don't throw you, I don't throw your word under the bus just so I can blend in with people. I, I just don't want to do that. Hmm. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate you very much. Appreciate your being with us, Jim. I welcome you from Illinois. Your question, please. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me. I was listening to the Bible when I was driving my truck. Then I came to the part where this guy was gathering firewood. Got brought to Moses. Moses inquired with God. God says, you know, you need to put him to death. Uh, this thought came to mind, why should you follow a God that does that? I kind of sort of agreed with it a little bit. It was like being in a crowded room, and when I agreed to it, it got quiet. Uh, then a few seconds later, I'm saying, well, I'm a Christian. I can't follow the devil. i got to follow Jesus. You know, he has the way to heaven and all that. And then the noise started back again. And um, since then, I have, my love for God has greatly diminished. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, I, I, first, I thank you for your honesty and, mm -hmm. and you know, for calling in. I think that's good. Um, my first response, I have two of them, and then if I miss, Janet, pull me back in, is just context, context, context means everything. I mean, I, I suppose that I could take Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, if I was, you know, you know, how, how come when two Christians who lied deliberately about property they had sold and what they did with it, why did they die? And I'll say, ultimately, there's only one who's omniscient. It's not me. I don't know the ultimate answer. I can take a guess. Uh, Jesus was, uh, as he says, it wasn't taking an old message and pouring it into a, a new wineskin or a new wineskin into an old, uh, you know, it's it's new wine and new wineskins. And maybe there was enough of the deception that people were used to it, that it was his way of saying very early in the development of the church, and we're just not going to have lying and deceiving going on. Maybe that's what's going on. Nowhere in Scripture do you see God backing away from that uh, a premeditated murder is to be, uh, you know, it's life for life. Uh, and people will say, what a horrible God, I'll say, or maybe a message about how important he values life. And if someone is going to take life, they can forfeit their life. 
when, when I bring up, you know, individual ones, I think what you're talking about, and I'm not sure, I think it's Tim. I don't know that he was – maybe it was carrying firewood, and I forgot it. I'm wondering if you're talking about the ark when – I think it was Uza, you know, grabs the ark when it's – you know, when it uh, seems to be falling or an ox stumbled or something and he got zapped, I don't have a good answer for that. But my alternative part of it, at least, is is when I run into things I don't understand, Tim, I've I've learned too many times that the longer I have a chance to look at it, I get answers. I, I remember saying one time my first Bible, I don't remember if I kept it or not, but I had a whole page back in the back with question mark. And I said, these are, these are questions I'm going to ask Jesus. I'm not going to presume he doesn't know what he's talking about. About. I'll presume that if there's a challenge, it's my understanding. He's omniscient, I'm not. But I sure want to get answers to this. But I you know, looked at that list years later and thought, yeah, that one's not so tough, and that one's not so tough, and that's not so tough. So when people, you know, if, if it's, you know, there's killing, I would go, there was all kinds of killing talked about in the Bible. Manslaughter, premeditated murder, etc. And they were not all treated the same way. Context. There's the operative word. Jim, thank you. I appreciate your being a part of this conversation. We're taking your questions on spiritual warfare, 877-548-3675. Our guest and teacher, Dr. Carl Payne. Again, I've got a link to his website on my info page and a link to his excellent book on spiritual warfare called just that, Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. More of your calls right after this. talking about a battle, the one that Ephesians talks about, a real, live, spiritual battle that you cannot see, not against flesh and blood, but it is real nonetheless. Jessica, you are in Illinois. I thank you so for being a part of the conversation. And your question now for Dr. Carl Payne, please. Can spirits be bound and loose? I heard, can spirits be found? And then, Janet, I missed the rest of... Bound and loosed. Well, yeah, I think they certainly can. Uh, if if we're talking about uh, the idea of of seeing them uh, uh, removed, you know, pulling them together and and uh, removing, I'm not really aware too much of Christians wanting to loose demons. That that would seem to be kind of unprofitable to me. But uh, but as far as uh, demonic spirits that are involved, and they get caught there. Again, Luke ten eighteen to 20 indicates that your delegated authority is greater than theirs. And if you want to tell them that they are not welcome to continue to hang around, you can certainly tell them that. What I have watched for years is uh, I just having this conversation today earlier with someone that came by my office, and I said, it helps me understand the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, uh, you know, trying to do the same thing. Uh, demons fear Christ, and uh, they fear Christians not because of your denominational ties, your theological hobby horses, whatever. They fear you if they recognize Christ lives in you, and they will defer to the one having highest authority. And as, a, as as members of the body of Christ, with Christ being creator and demons being part of the creation, we win because Christ won. So if someone wants to say exercising their delegated authority, which is not about a gift, 
It's not about a personality. It's just simply something that Luke 10 indicates is real for believers. I think that 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, reinforces that same basic message. Um, Revelation chapter 12, 10, 11, I think, reinforces the same basic message. If someone wants to say that uh, demons ought not to have the freedom to continue to play the games, Paul did that with the, the, the fortune teller. He got tired of them following him around and, and giving the testimony of him. He didn't want their testimony because people knew what the, you know what was going on there and that she was involved you know with demonic spirits. He certainly had the authority to say get lost. Jesus regularly told them to get lost. So if someone wants to say, do we have authority? I say, well, since Jesus said he delegated the authority for us to be involved in that, I would say yes. If someone says, I don't think we do, I, I would say, well... I can't tell you what to believe, but I think that you probably need to take a harder look at at, uh, at Scripture. Hmm. Jessica, thank you. Appreciate you being a part of this. 877-548-3675. Quint in Florida, your question, please. Yes, I would be interested to know Dr. Payne's opinion on uh, gifts of the Spirit. Should we seek after the gifts if our if our War is if it's a spiritual warfare, aren't we better equipped if we're using the, the gifts? Um, well, you've got you've got two questions, at least that I hear, and I think the first one may or may not surprise you. I don't know. I I think that Scripture is very clear. I go to First Corinthians twelve eleven that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as He chooses. Verse eighteen, God gives gifts as He chooses. Verses 23-24, God gives gifts as he chooses. Verse 28, God has appointed concerning gifts as he chooses. Hebrews chapter 2, 4 and 5, the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he chooses. I don't see where Scripture says that gifts are a smorgasbord and it is your job to tell God what gift you should have. I'm not saying you're saying that, but I certainly know friends that will tell me that. And I've asked, does God not know how to do his job? Well, I think he does. If God has given gifts, and again, Peter, Peter in chapter 4, 10, 11, he, he equates them to either serving gifts or speaking gifts, but he doesn't say one is better than the other. He doesn't say, so sorry if you have speaking gifts, too bad you don't have serving gifts, or too bad you've got serving gifts, I wish you had speaking gifts. He does say in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in 22 and 23, when the Corinthians were giving more honor to people because of the gifts of their choice and dishonoring people that didn't have the gifts of their choice, he said he started giving more honor to the ones that they were dishonoring because in Christ we're supposed to see each other as equals. So if someone says to me, A, do spiritual gifts have anything to do with removing demons, I would say the answer is no. It's not about a spiritual gift. It's about delegated authority. And whether you think you're a prophet, an apostle, a preacher, a teacher, someone with helps, a healer, whatever, your delegated authority is exactly the same from Christ to anyone whose name is written in heaven. So do I Do I see that being you know, part of the equation? I say no. Do I think that the basic premise that gifts are mine to choose? I don't believe that's accurate. I, I believe there are people that teach that, but I don't think that that's what Scripture supports. So I would say, God, you're perfect. You put me together the way you put me. I don't want to be Janet. Janet doesn't want to be me. Janet needs to be the best Janet she can be. I need to be the best Carl I can be, and you need to be the best person you can be with the gifting God has given you. And and I will say it again. I don't mean it to be sound mean, but anyone who tries to talk about 
uh, demons being uh, more responsive. Uh, if you if you are gifted this way or gifted that way, I will say you're turning that into something about spiritual gifts. You don't see demonization and exorcism ever called a gift. Mm-hmm. You see it as the result of delegated authority. That's why when I have some of my friends who come out of a background like I did, I mean, I'm ordained as a conservative Baptist seminary, or a preacher. So, you know, you don't see very many conservative Baptists saying, hey, let's talk about demons, although there are more. Western seminaries had me in several times. But sometimes that's one of the groups that doesn't want to talk about it. And usually one of the, one of the things that you'll hear, I still read it you know, from some of the groups. Well, if you, if you say that demons can be real and you can work with them, then don't you have to say yes to any kind of person that claims any kind of gift? I say, well, you're assuming working with demons is a gift. Not. It's about delegated authority and exercising authority in Christ. Mm. That's where we end our conversation, Carl. Thank you. So many people online. Lord willing, we're going to do this again with Dr. Carl Payne, taking up the subject once more on spiritual warfare. Write down your question the next time he comes. Maybe you'll be at the front of the line. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.